With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Log Talk Radio.
but because of the Internet age and all of the speed in which we get information, we are seeing it um, more readily than I think we probably used to. I don't want to say that people weren't falling by the wayside uh, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. Um, I believe they were. They just weren't being exposed and uh, in the manner in which they're being exposed today. But here we are, and all I know is that the foundation of 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 is most definitely a, a pointer to anybody who would want to walk the walk that they talk about. If you want to live this life that you talk about, I believe 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23, and I'm going to read it for you right now. And it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, not H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y, meaning completely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then it goes on in verse 24. It says, Faithful is he that calls you who also will do what? Do it. So here this is a foundation that if you doubted whether or not how God wanted you to live this normal so-called Christian life, he wants you to live it just like that. So then let's go over and see uh, what Jude has to say about 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23, because to me Jude testifies to what is being said in 1 Thessalonians. And here he says in verse uh, 22, we're going to start with, now, let's start with verse 21. Now, let's back up. Um, verse, uh, this is really, really, really good. So let's back up a little bit to verse 18 in Jude. Uh, and it says, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. Verse 19 says, these be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not spirit. Verse 20 says, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith." praying in the Holy Ghost. Verse 21 says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Verse 22 says, And of some have compassion, making a difference. And then verse 23 says, And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. So there are going to be some people that we can save with compassion, and then there are others that we're going to have to save by fear. We're going to have to Cause them to realize just how dangerously close they are living. So verse 22 says, of some have compassion, making a difference. And then verse 23 says, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Then verse 24 goes back and it points to me to our first Thessalonians 5 and 22. And it says, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Now, I'm going to go back over that because now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Verse 25 says, To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Now, we've heard the song about we fall down and, and uh, we've gone and we can take that to Proverbs. Proverbs talks about the righteous man falling seven times but he gets back up. That's Old Testament. That's, that's Old Testament. But that has not been done away with through Jesus Christ. He has reconciled the Old Testament with the New Testament, and he has established the Old Testament in the New. So 
in the Old Testament, they failed seven times being righteous and got back up. But in the New Testament, now we have a greater way. There is a way of escape that's been made for us that says that we don't have to fall if we don't want to fall because now he is able to keep you from falling. Before, you had to pretty much rely on your own righteousness. But now we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ Jesus, and this is why we are able, we are enabled through his ability, through what he has done for us on the cross to be kept from falling and to present ourselves faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. So it is now not about your ability, but it is about the ability of God that has been put in you and on you to make you and cause you to do that which is righteous before God, which is First Thessalonians 5 and 23, when he says that I want you to be wholly sanctified through and through, through and through. And here it says, back to verse uh, 23, in First Thessalonians 5 and 23, and it says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 24 says, now faithful is he that calls you, he also will do it, meaning that ability. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. So here we come on today, and we're going to talk about the normal Christian life. So in the normal Christian's life, we have the blood of Christ have the, the path of knowing who he is. We have the path of reckoning ourselves dead to the sins of the world. And then we have the divide, what's called the divide of the cross. And then we go back to the path of progress where we present ourselves to God. Then we come up and we have an eternal purpose after we present ourselves to God. And how do we maintain that eternal purpose? We do it through the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit says, uh, now, okay, he's fulfilling Romans chapter 7. Then we get back on the path of progress, and we are walking in the Spirit. And then we become one body in Christ. And then we go on to have this war that we are waging in our members, the war of the cross and the war of the soul life. Then we continue on the path of progress, and we begin to take up our cross and bear our cross. And we aim at the goal of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So now, here we are talking about the normal Christian life. So the normal Christian life that um, most of us deal with is that we're dealing with um, to sin or not to sin, if you would. To sin or not to sin is, is, is a simple way to put it, is that either you have a choice to sin or a choice not to sin. So every day is set before you, life and death, blessings and curses, do a lot of me says. And God hopes that you always choose life so that it will go well with you and your children. So Deuteronomy says, that's Old Testament, that he wants us to choose life. So now that the way of escape has been made for us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ so that we have this ability in us and on us and through us to keep us from falling, we should wake up choosing life. Wake up choosing life. So it's not um, impossible to do for us to walk worthy of the calling of God that he has set before us. But here we are 
still going through the motions of sustain or not sustain. And so in the Life After series, we talk about so many things that come into our lives, so many of us uh, as women and as men, because I know women, you don't want to think that a man can be raped, but a man can be raped. So women are raped, men are raped. Uh, Men are beaten just like women are beaten, maybe not as much on either hand. But the point of the matter is is the root of all of it is sin. So we're not going to prolong the show today. We're basically uh, doing a 45-minute broadcast, and we're already 16 minutes into the show. And I, again, want to thank those of you who have joined us in the chat room, those of you who are listening to us over the Internet, and as well as those of you who will be listening to the archives uh, later on. And I want to say that um, we are truly, truly praying for all of our past guests, all of our, our, our future guests that are coming on board. Uh, we've got some great things coming up for this upcoming season on broadcast, and I'd like to also invite you to stay tuned as we continue to unfold the vision for this part of our labor in the vineyard. So you're going to be hearing from us on Patricia Abbey's Live. You're going to be hearing from us on K111, K8. OHS, K-O-H-S, and K-O-H-M, and K-E-D-R, all on the Blog Talk Radio platform. And these are all affiliates of Trisha Adams Live. And we want you to stay tuned because we are definitely about to take a different direction according to what God is speaking to our hearts about. So I pray for your strength, I pray for my strength, and I continue to ask that you would be um, mindful, mindful of the call of Jesus Christ on your life because this platform has afforded many of us a different way of communicating the message of Jesus Christ. On Patricia Adams' Live, we try to touch the things that are taboo that maybe we can't necessarily get into over the pulpit or maybe some people are reluctant to get into over the pulpit or on the church parking lot. But here in where you have anonymity of calling in and nobody knows your name and nobody knows who you are unless you want it to be known, uh, basically we can talk about some things, we can hash some things out. And then once again, I want you to know that above all else, that we are here to lift up the name of Jesus. And in lifting up the name of Jesus, we want you to know that he loves you, he loves you unconditionally, and he has paid the price so that you could choose between unrighteousness and righteousness. And there is a way of escape. You just simply have to choose it. But what is it that keeps us from choosing that way of escape? It's the problem of our sin. So if we think about uh, with the blood of Jesus Christ and the value that it has brought in dealing with our sins and justifying us in the sight of God, we see in Romans 3 and 23 that all have sinned. But in Romans 5, 8 through 9, it says that God commended his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ did what he died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, justified just as if you had never sinned by his blood, shall we be saved from the wrath of God through him. So we're looking at the problem of our sins and we're looking at what was it that caused us to be justified freely, by grace, through the redemption that is found in Christ Jesus. So God sent him and set him forth as a propitiation, a substitute through faith by his blood to show us his righteousness. 
because of the passing over of the sins before in the forbearance of God, he showed us and he said that of his righteousness at this present season that he might himself be just and the justifier of him that has faith in Jesus. So this is Romans 3, 24 through 26, that he might himself be just and the justifier of him that has faith in Jesus. So he justifies us because we have faith in Jesus. No man comes to the Father save he do what? Comes to the Son. So we shall have reason um, as we go on and we talk about the, the difference between the fall and the way of escape, the way of recovery. So we have to remind ourselves that when sin came in, it found an expression through our disobedience to God. So the only way that sin is expressed is through acts of disobedience. And that's in Romans 5 and 19. So we have to remember that whenever this happens, that immediately after we sin, we feel guilty. So sin enters as disobedience. It creates a separation between us and God, and we're put away from God. But Scripture says let nothing separate us from the love of God. But when we enter into disobedience, scripturally speaking, God can no longer have communion and fellowship with us. It's something that has gotten in the way of our relationship. And so this is not uh, a conversation about religion. This is a conversation about relationship. So it is that um, through the scriptures we talk about sin. And so since sin is um, something that we are all under, according to Romans 3 and 9, says that they are all under sin. Then secondly, sin that's in us which causes a barrier to our fellowship with God. So we're understanding sin is in us, and so it gives rise to us feeling guilty and estranged from God. So man himself, who with the help of um, this sin consciousness, says, I've sinned, and that's in Luke 15 and 18. But is this all? But sin also gives Satan his ground to accuse us before God. So he is walking around looking for someone to accuse. He is the accuser of who? The brethren. He's not accusing those who are not of the fold, of the sheepfold. He's already got them, but those of us who are in the fold, he is walking around looking to level an accusation against us. So while our sense of guilt gives him ground of accusation in our hearts, then we find out, because once again, he's accused of the brethren. Revelation 12 and 10 says, now, who now says, you have sinned? Who says that? Satan. He says that to us. But the redemption that brings us back to the purpose of God, brings us back on the path, is that the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, basically had to address sin, the guilt, and the charge that Satan would level against us. So, our sins had to be dealt with first, and that was dealt with by the blood of Christ. Our guilt was dealt with, and our guilty consciences were set at rest by showing us how valuable the blood is. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So then finally the attack of the enemy has to be met with, and his accusations have to be answered. So when he accuses us, basically we find in the scriptures the blood of Christ is operating for us in three ways. It's operating with us Godward, 
to make sure that we maintain our relationship with him. Man would so that we maintain our relationship with ourselves and God and with others and Satan would. So there's a three-way um, process that's going on as you walk out your soul salvation. So there is a need for us to appropriate the value of the blood. So it, it requires the blood. That was the essential thing. So when people say, well, you know, um, black Jesus, white Jesus, green Jesus, purple Jesus, no, give me the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus was red when it hit the air, and that is what washed away my sins. So whether he be polka dot Jesus, uh, great Jesus, whatever, I praise him and I thank him for shedding his blood for the remission of my sins. So I am not uh, one to get caught up on what color he is. He's, he's all of us. He died for all of us. So we have to have a knowledge of the death of our Lord Jesus as our substitute on the cross. And we have to get past um, him shedding his blood for our sins because without that blood, we have to walk in our own righteousness. Then we go on and we say, you know, why was the blood necessary? Because without the blood, we were subject to the wrath of God. And so now when God sees us, he doesn't see the wrath that was upon us because of our sin nature. He sees the precious blood of Jesus that was shed for us. So why was the blood shed? It was shed so that God could see the blood and justify us as if we had never sinned. So the blood is for atonement, and it has to do first with our standing before God. It puts us in right standing before God. So we needed forgiveness for the sins that we had committed and were going to commit. And we know that without the blood, we would have been judged guilty because it says that the wages of sin was death. And because he died in our place, we no longer have to die that death. So now our sins are forgiven because God overlooks what we've done because he sees the blood. So the blood is there for God to keep him from wiping us out. So if we want to understand the value of the blood, we have to accept the value of the blood. The value of the blood says that you don't have to die, that you don't have to continue in sin, that you don't have to walk away um, with your head hung down as if you have no Savior because you have been saved by grace. So now we go back and we say, okay, now, so the blood is primarily for God so that when he sees us, he sees the blood. He overlooks what we've done. Um, and so we now have to comprehend the value of the blood. So anytime we set value up on something, we have to esteem it highly. So the blood, the blood by God um, is the value that he places on my life and on your life. It's um, as an estimate that God puts upon the blood of Christ is made known uh, to us through the Holy Spirit, that we come into the good of it, not because of ourselves, but because of what Jesus has done for us. But we have to realize that because now the blood has been shed, that takes us God. So he sees us, and we are seen of him. And the song that played earlier was uh, George Huff. Uh, you know me, and that song is beautiful because it talks about intimacy. It talks about the God with relationships. That I'm a window that you see through. You know my secrets and my faults. You know me. You know me. And so, because the blood is before Him, He's able to now look at us. So we go from the old into the New Testament, and the blood is you 
to connect us to the concept of atonement. So we go through that, and then we find out that even in looking into the Old Testament, that the blood seemed to have a greater bearing on sin when it came to the Day of Atonement, because the Jews considered that person, they had to work at that. They had to work at atonement. They had to make sacrifices. They had to go before the holy place, and had the blood had to be sprinkled uh, before the Lord seven times. But now we are on the day that the sin offering was made, and it was offered publicly in, 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 in the presence of all of those who had sinned. And everything that was laid bare before him, he said that he endured it for the joy that was set before him. So now we go on into um, the redemption of Jesus, found in Hebrews 9, 12 and 12, and we see that he was the one who did the work. So before, the Jews had to do the work. But now Jesus did the work. He became the Kohen, the high priest, who sprinkled the blood once and for all. Didn't have to be sprinkled seven times. But here's, here's the, the issue that I want to address just quickly, is that when the Word of God says that we crucify him afresh, as if he has not already shed his blood for us, as if he has not already given us the ability to live holy, to live righteously, we continue to crucify him afresh when we act as if there is no value on the blood and we continue to put him on the cross and pierce him in the side. And over and over and over again, when we as Christians, not the world, when we as Christians continue to fall. Because now, remember, Proverbs says the righteous fall seven times, but that's Old Testament. But Jews says now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. You don't have to fall. You don't have to fall. You now have the ability to stand. And after having done all the stand, do what stand. There was having your loins dirt about the truth. So now we are connected to his righteousness through the blood. So the presenting of the blood to God, and because God accepted it, he became satisfied. And a transaction between the high priest, the Kohen, Jesus Christ, and God in the sanctuary, away from the eyes of men, benefited us all. The Lord required that the blood be the first thing the first thing that was shed that would wipe away our sins, that would cause him to look upon us. So God has been satisfied, and that's why he has not destroyed us, because he's been satisfied. But it grieves him greatly when we act as if he has not been satisfied, as if the penalty has not been paid. It grieves him tremendously. How would you as a parent be willing to give your child for the remission of sins and see someone go out and shamelessly, shamelessly continue to take what your child has done for granted? It would grieve you. So if you could imagine that's your small heart, your small feelings, but God is that how pained he must be when the very elect, the chosen of God, are continuing to be accused. Satan is finding an occasion to accuse us. But holiness, God's holiness, God's righteousness, demands a sinless life. A sinless life. How do you live a sinless life? 
You live that life hidden in Christ Jesus. David is a perfect roadmap. He's Old Testament. But what David saw and, and, and portrayed was the Lord Jesus Christ. He was obedient unto death. So, you know, the temptation comes. There is no temptation trial or test. That is common to man where a, an escape has not already been made. So it is possible to walk this life. It is possible to go through this life. Have we all attained to it? No, but there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction. So we have to continue on the path, knowing that God is satisfied, the price has been paid, there is a high value on the blood that has been presented, so that he is satisfied to show forth his mercy because of the righteousness that has been purchased for us through Christ Jesus. So he can basically say, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. The blood of Christ has completely satisfied God. When I see the blood, I will pass over you because I'm satisfied that the price has been paid. So we have this desire um, to come up to the expectation that he has in us. When we were unbelievers, we were uh, a mess. The blood was not over us. And we were subject to the wrath of God without the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. But even while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. But those of us who have come into the fold, I just have been just so keenly aware of those of us who have come to the fold, we are held to a higher standard, a higher accountability in God. And because of that, um, how painful it is when God sees us fall, when God sees us uh, grieve the Holy Spirit, when we blaspheme the word in the name, and when we put it under our feet as if it was nothing but dumb. Oh, my God, how faithful and just he is still not to destroy us. But here we are. Here we are. This is about you, the Christian. This is not about the sinner. This is about you, the Christian. God said that judgment will begin at the house. And before I used to be like Abram and Abraham, God, will you not spare us for one righteous, two righteous, or three righteous? Do I hear four righteous, five righteous, six righteous, seven righteous, eight righteous, nine righteous? Lord, will you not? And now I understand. Now I understand when he says that judgment will begin at the house. It's going to begin in the body going to begin in the church and do whatever it is that you need to do, God, because we are not all walking worthy of the value of the blood that has been shed for us. So what should he do? There is no more remission of sin. So if we try to come up with a new way of valuing uh, our righteousness, we remain in darkness. We have to see the blood, and the blood was required because God needed to see it so he could pass over us and not destroy us. So the blood has satisfied God, and it has to satisfy us. It has to satisfy us. 
It has a second value that is manly. It cleanses our consciousness so we lose sin consciousness and we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We put on the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. And as we come up to um, the show, we've got like nine minutes left in the broadcast. And, again, if you'd like to call in, number is 646-929-1800. And I want to say to those of you, again, who have joined us in the chat room and those of you who are listening over the Internet and those who will be tuning in to broadcast as it goes into archives, we want you to know that God loves you. He's already proven how much he loves you because he sent his own begotten son. And walk worthy of the call of God, walk worthy of the blood, esteem the blood so high because the blood satisfies God and he sees the blood and he passes over. And so we must be satisfied with the blood and not add insult by crucifying him afresh. Because now Hebrews 10 and 22 says we are to have heart sprinkled from evil conscience. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it cleanses our hearts. Jeremiah said, um, cleanse my heart from sin by thy blood. The heart, God says, is desperately sick, and he must do something more fundamental than cleanse it, so he gives us a new one. We don't have to wash and iron clothing that we're going to throw away. So as uh, we see, the flesh is too bad to be cleansed. It must be crucified. So the work of God within us must be something wholly new. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. Ezekiel prophesied to in 36 and 26. So we find that the blood cleanses our hearts, okay? And the cleansing work of the blood, you can... Look that up in Hebrews 10, and it talks about the heart. It talks about the conscience, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. So what does that mean? It means that whatever was between me and God as a result of my evil conscience, when I got ready to approach him, it constantly reminded me of the barrier that stood between me and him. But now, because of the precious blood of Jesus, we have a new and excellent way. That barrier has been removed. And God has made it known to us in his word. So when we say that we believe in him and we accept, our conscience becomes clear, the slate becomes wiped off, and the sense of guilt is removed. So we have to lose that sin consciousness, that that guilt consciousness, and become righteous. Putting on the Lord Jesus Christ So we have to have no more An evil conscience towards God So every one of us knows What a precious thing it is to have a conscience Void of offense in our dealings with God So a heart of faith and a conscience Clear of every accusation That Satan would hurl Against you As soon as we find that our conscience Is uneasy, our faith begins To leak away and we cannot Face God So in order for us to keep going on with God, we must know the up-to-date value of the blood. God keeps short accounts, and we are made nigh by the blood every day, every hour, every minute, every second. It does not lose its power. 
as our access if we lay hold on it. When we enter the holy place, on what ground dare we enter but by the blood of Jesus? But you have to ask yourself that question, am I really seeking to go into the presence of God by the blood or by something else? So what do you mean when you say by the blood? You simply understand that you recognize your sins, you confess that you have need of cleansing and of atonement, and you come to God on the basis of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, he sees the blood. The blood was shed for God primarily so that when he could look at us, he would pass over us with his wrath. So we approach God um, that way. But when we say that we have uh, merited the right to come before God, no, we have not. When we try to come in by our flesh gate, no, 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 no. We will not come in that way. So we can only come to him. No man cometh to the Father except, except they come to the Son. Because he is the one who has shed the blood. We have not. So we have to understand that putting value on the blood alone keeps you and I from being destroyed. But there's going to come a time. There's going to come a time when God is not going to wink at us anymore. When he's not going to even just pass over us. He's going to judge us. And he's going to judge us first. So I ask this question to those of us who are laborers and co-laborers in Christ. Are you valuing the blood? Are you devaluing the blood? Are you crucifying him afresh? Are you making an open show, a mockery of all that he's done by saying that he's not able to keep you from falling, when his word says that he is able to keep you from falling, and that when he says, when the spirit of truth will come, that he will lead and guide you into all truth, I want you listening today, coming by later in the broadcast, to take account of the life that you live and how you live it before others. No, we don't all have it 100%, but there is a way, and the only way is to Jesus Christ. So as we have two minutes in the broadcast, I want to tell you that um, be encouraged, be strengthened, and above all else, let us dwell together in unity. It is for us to dwell together in you. Agenda. Oh, 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.